from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Making the switch to farming. This was definitely something that he loved. We catch up with a North Dakota sunflower producer who's carrying on a family tradition. A stunning health update from the head of the House Ag Committee. Hear about his plans for the future as concerns grow over the future of a program many farmers have come to rely on. So we're doing our best to make sure that we're getting that where, they, where it's going to have the best impact. While some are raising red flags right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It's a program many farmers have come to rely on in times of crisis. We're talking about the Emergency Relief Program, or ERP. And now, a group of lawmakers urging USDA to make changes, saying American producers have experienced significant losses, and they're concerned about the change to the program for losses that happened in 2022. Michelle Rook talked to the head of the Farm Service Agency about the new ERP program. And Michelle, it all comes down to money. Right, Clinton. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau told me after farmer complains they have been trying to take the lessons they learned from delivering the 2021 program to make ERP better, but also to best utilize the limited dollars that Congress has given them. In developing the program, USDA's Farm Service Agency is trying to stretch the budgeted dollars with ERP and ELRP 2022 because the indemnified losses far outweigh the dollars allocated for the program. When we we're doing our work to ascertain what the proposed need would be. We set that estimate at about $10 billion. We were able to get $3.7 billion from our friends on the Hill to deliver this program. So we're doing our best to make sure that we're getting that where, they, where it's going to have the best impact. As a result, he says they're using a progressive payment model, which is being criticized by lawmakers who believe it will hinder those who suffered the most significant losses from receiving sufficient assistance. Ducheneau disagrees. It's going to really try to think about the folks that don't have crop insurance, that don't have access to NAP for what they're doing, that didn't benefit from LFP. We're trying to find a way to use this as the impetus to get them into those risk management strategies because of the linkage requirement that it has so that we can level this out and come to a better year-over-year -year understanding about what the additional disaster assistance is beyond those indemnified losses or those existing risk management tools. Another ERP change includes increased crop insurance premium reimbursement for socially disadvantaged farmers. Lawmakers insist these changes don't adhere to the intended purpose of disaster relief programs and could jeopardize farmers' ability to secure financing and plan for the next crop year. They want USDA to address crop losses without unauthorized pay limits or preferences and return to the phase one methodology. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. The chair of the House Ag Committee, Glenn G.T. Thompson, says he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Thompson, a Republican from Pennsylvania, releasing this statement on social media. He says he was diagnosed following a routine physical and testing. The 64-year-old says he plans to continue representing the people of his district while tackling this head-on. So far, it appears he's still running for re-election in 2024, adding that he appreciates prayers and privacy at this time. Thompson currently stewarding work on a new farm bill. More pork producers are losing their contracts. Smithfield Foods announcing 
It will end contracts with 26 hog farms in Utah. A statement from the world's largest pork processor cited an industry oversupply of pork, weaker consumer demand, and high feed prices as challenges. Now, it's estimated the number of Smithfield jobs impacted may be up to one-third of the 210 currently employed at Smithfield's Utah hog production operations. The company announced in October it would be closing a pork processing plant in Charlotte, North Carolina, and earlier this year, you'll remember we reported Smithfield was closing 35 sow farms in Putnam and Mercer counties in northern Missouri. The Pacific Northwest getting slammed by heavy rain brought by atmospheric rivers. Take a look at what happened to this highway near Mount St. Helens. It collapsed due to the intense water flows both over and under the road. Crews say 11 people and a dog had to be rescued by helicopter after the landslide completely closed off the road. Meanwhile, the central part of the U.S. is catching a break for the next couple of days, but meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht says changes are on the way. Yeah, one of the ways that we can kind of isolate how dynamic this next system is going to be is looking at the severe weather potential for December. Now, if we're in the spring, the summer, uh, even the early fall, uh, you get widespread severe weather. But December, when you start to see these little circles show up, what that is telling you is we have two extreme air masses plus the jet stream coming together uh, for quite the system uh, this weekend. And, and into next week. So here's a severe storm risk on Thursday uh, into Oklahoma, but also back out here towards the east. On Friday, uh, that will start to go away. Now go ahead and take a look at your screen here. We're going to talk a lot more about that system coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll uh, take you over to Sabina, Ohio, and another farmer putting a wrap on Harvest 2023. Now Doug now out of Ohio says that uh, his friends and family pulled together to make it through the harvest season without any serious issues. He said it was his 51st harvest and he still enjoys it. I'll have more on that forecast coming up. Push the bushel boundary on Ag Day is brought to you by Tendovo Soybean Herbicide, raising the pre-emergence bar one clean row at a time. Now that harvest is over, how are farmers working to push the bushel boundary for 2024. Now one practice is strip tilling, especially in cover crops. And as Farm Journal field agronomist Ken Ferry shows us, strips in cover crops can improve corn yields by reducing the aliopathic effects and carbon penalties next spring. Today we're working on a plot where we're looking at no-till, strip till, and cover crops, and strip till within the cover crops. We found out in a number of our plot trials over the past few years, if we were to strip through our cover crops in the fall, removing some of that cover where the row is going to go next year, especially in corn, uh, we can take away some of that drag that we run into with the cover crops. Now today's mix is oats, radish, triticale, um, but at the same time, it tends to put a little bit of drag on our corn next year. So what we're trying to do is look at it all different ways, but one way is to drill it and then just strip through it after it's established. Another way is what we're doing right here is we're coming in here and we're shutting off meters on this drill every 30 inches. So as we drill this, we end up with a bio strip, I guess you would say about 15 inches wide. That'll give us a landing spot for next year's crop. So after this cover crop comes up, again, a solid seeded mat, and we've got triticale, oats, and radish in here. We can plant right into that next spring. Um, we do deal with the carbon penalty, the antagonism of the grass crops against each other in here. 
and maybe cooler, wetter conditions depending on the situation. Um, but that's still a process that works, but leaving a strip or stripping through it or like we're doing here, shutting the uh, one of the rows off in the drill, we're leaving a, a, a strip down through here of dry soil. This gives us a place to plan into. We could freshen it if we want. This decreases, doesn't eliminate, but decreases some of the allopathic toxins and the carbon penalty issues that we deal with in cover crops by leaving this strip open. All right, thanks, Ken. Now, Ken says strip till ahead of soybeans has some of the same benefits. Beans emerge faster and are not as affected by the carbon penalty of decomposing cover crops. According to new data from NASA, temperatures in the Corn Belt are trending higher. Take a look at these graphs. The scientists looking at both growing degree days and extreme degree days. Growing degree days are the beneficial temperatures in a day that allow a plant to grow and mature. Now, alone, growing degree days aren't harmful, but look at the extreme degree days. NASA says the number of days with temperatures above 86 degrees has steadily increased. Now, that's the point at which plants begin to experience heat stress. NASA says this has been a trend since 1992, and they expect that to continue through the end of the century. Well, despite more export flash sale announcements from USDA, it was a mixed day for markets. We'll have details coming up next. And later, we're off to North Dakota for sunflower harvest. Find out about this year's cropping season in the country. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Was back buying midweek with USDA announcing another flash sale of SRW and some soybeans. And the wheat sale pressed futures higher for a seventh straight session. Michelle Rook is back with more in Markets Now. Wednesday's market closes were mostly lower. Mark Schultz with North Star Commodity joining us. Yeah, we kind of had a risk off day on Wednesday, Mark. How much of that was tied to the implosion in crude oil? Well, I think for the most part, that's what started the uh, slide to the downside. And overall, it just found out a harder situation in all of the commodities in general to get any type of traction. Uh, the day before we had at least a market moving up and now we've just seen the, the uh, washout take place. So uh, it, it started, with, I think, with the energy and then it just kind of followed suit. And as the day progressed, uh, the beans started to slip. And then eventually uh, we saw the corn and the wheat market also after pretty good gains take, uh, take a tumble there as well. Yeah, but we did probably hit some chart resistance, at least in corn and wheat. We've had a pretty good run here on some of this China export business here recently, haven't we? Well, we certainly have with the Chinese. They've been huge buyers here in, in the last three days uh, with some big announcements of buying soft red wheat from the U.S. And, and that's rather impressive. So the wheat market, even if you go back to last Monday, uh, you were trading, uh, you moved the market up some 80, well, close to 80 cents on Kansas City wheat, maybe 85. Uh, so a pretty good move on up. So yeah, that market probably got it short term a little bit uh, overbought and due for a correction. And it looks like maybe we've got that uh, in here. And now we're going with the corn. And, the, and of course, I'm always in the big picture. I'm still looking at if you're going to move the corn market up, wheat market has to be the one that leads the way out of the out of the hole. At least we started that. We'll probably get a correction here, first of all. And then maybe we'll see if we can resume. If we can start taking out the highs that were posted today for the wheat, should be a good sign. Okay, we maybe got a little farmer selling there as well. Now, the cattle market imploded in addition to more new contract lows. Technical selling or the lower cash? What did it? Maybe a little bit of both, but it, here's the thing. The cash market, 
Oh, obviously it was a little bit weaker than what we had a week ago. Two, maybe $3 is probably where we're gonna be when this is all said and done for this week. Um, but the futures, the, the issue with the futures has been that we still have some length in that by the funds in the cattle market. It's when you start making new contract lows, it's an acceleration to the downside. And the rallies up, but only last a day, two days at most, and then it's just a sell-off. Well, thanks for joining us. We're at Schultz North Star Commodity. We'll have more our day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit LamarsToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. If you remember back just a little bit ago, we talked about the severe weather potential. It wasn't widespread, but it was an indication of the jet stream getting involved in some of the stuff that's going on at the surface in regards to strong thunderstorms. So here's a look at the jet stream on Thursday. We got a ridge of high pressure keeping things quiet Thursday and Friday. It's Saturday and Sunday. This next system starts to take shape back out here towards the west and the deeper this pulls to the south. Uh, the better the ingredients for severe weather in that location, those locations that we saw uh, just a little bit ago. Now, as this translates to the east and deepens, it's going to pick up a lot of Gulf moisture. So when we start to combine that, not only the moisture in the atmosphere, but also you know, what would be uh, it's positively tilted right here on Saturday into Sunday as this trough goes negative right there, meaning it's it's pulled back here towards the west. That's where the dynamics really start to increase uh, back into parts of the northeast uh, with uh, heavy rainfall and again the potential for uh, some snow and thunderstorms with this kind of system. I'm not expecting a cold air outbreak and rather it stays pretty shallow. The, the jet stream is doing what it does in regards to digging a trough and then uh, starting to pick up a lot of moisture with the strong winds in and across the Midwest and the East Coast. And then on the other side of this system, a shallow pocket of cold air tries to come down. This is next Wednesday. Now, as we get into Thursday and Friday of next week, another ridge starts to take shape. So the pattern is uh, kind of going to repeat itself in that we're going to get back into above average high temperatures uh, by next Thursday and Friday with this pocket of cold air starting to move out. That's nearly 90 seconds just on the jet stream. A snowfall estimate is something else that we're going to be tracking very closely. So there's going to be some showers, but also some snow uh, crossing parts of the Midwest back up into Minnesota. The cold air just is not there for widespread snow. That's mainly going to be isolated to parts of Canada. Let's go up to uh, Idaho. McCall. PM rain, a high around 48, low of 32. Kelso, uh, Washington, near the Oregon border. Lots of rain the last couple of days, 46 degrees. And Highgate in Vermont, sunny skies. Theft. An Iowa cattle farmer has pleaded guilty to livestock theft along with committing fraud during the pandemic. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Iowa releasing information on a case involving 53-year-old Michael Budikoffer of Monona. They say he operated an unlicensed 
custom cattle operation known as Fawn Hollow. They say he would sell the cattle primarily to a Wisconsin slaughterhouse, but wasn't registered with USDA as a dealer. They allege he also didn't own the cattle he sold, but kept the money for himself instead of giving it to his investors. Officials say it doesn't end there. They add in 2020, he also defrauded USDA of more than $200,000 in emergency assistance money set aside for livestock producers during the pandemic. And officials say he also received over $1.5 million from the Small Business Administration during the pandemic. But instead of spending the money on his operation as he agreed to do, he spent it on an attorney in a Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing. They say he also recruited H-2A workers from South Africa under false pretenses. And then at a detention hearing, it's alleged he attempted to tamper with a grand jury and trial witnesses. Budakoffer faces a maximum sentence of 30 years in prison and a $750,000 fine. In South Dakota, sheriffs are looking for information about approximately 200 head of cattle that are believed to be missing. The Bennett County Sheriff's Office posting this image of the brand that's missing. Rancher Paul Schultes reports they are missing from a herd that was on about 10,000 acres of pasture near Martin. He's offering a $10,000 reward that leads to the livestock being returned within two weeks. Now he told one local news station he won't press charges if they're returned during that time. Well, you know cattle, they're not the only crop growing in the Dakotas. Up next, we'll visit a sunflower farm as harvest wraps up for another season in the country. Hey, and don't forget to register for this, the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each lucky winner will get a Case IH prize pack full of great gifts. We'll announce the winners just before Christmas here on Ag Day. Then, the grand prize winner will be announced just before the holiday on U.S. Farm Report. They'll win a Farm All Seed Pedal Tractor. To enter, head to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Farmers are wrapping up the state's sunflower harvest, and that includes one farm near Hedinger. Like many North Dakota farms, the operation is a family affair, but as KFYR's Jody Kurzman tells us, there's something extra special about this family farm. Definitely a lot more calming. Grant Miller never expected to be here in this combine. This is Mitch's combine. Mitch is his younger brother. He passed away unexpectedly in 2021. Farming was Mitch's passion. This was definitely something that he loved. While Mitch farmed, Grant was running his own business, Flickertail Construction. I was framing houses in Bismarck. When Mitch passed away, Grant switched out his construction hat for his farmer hat. Right now, he's working to get this year's sunflower crop harvested. It's pretty good yield this year. Um, for being a little later in the year, these are these are doing really well. Here, Grant feels his brother's presence. It's emotional. Grant has settled into a routine here on the farm, working beside his dad. I think it's a good life. It's a good noble thing to continue. A life Grant has documented on Instagram. Twas the night before harvest. Under the handle, the framing farmer. Right now, it's just a lot of fun. Grant says maybe one day he'll make this page more educational and use it to teach the world about farming and ranching. A message he knows his brother would appreciate. 
Neer Hedinger and Jody Kurzman reporting for your news leader. All right, our thanks to Jody Kurzman and KFYR for sharing that story with us. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Agnes. Have a great day.